Welcome to Winning the Game of Life. Known as Jungle Man at the poker table, Dan Cates has gone from being the bag boy at McDonald's with no friends and a dead-end future to winning over $11 million in online poker, over $7 million in live tournaments, and is a World Series of Poker champion. He has found fame, fortune, been to incredible places all over the globe, and connected with some amazing people. It looks like Dan has won the game of life, but that is not the way he sees it. Dan sees winning as doing his part to help everyone in the world win. He knows he can't do it alone, though. He knows it's going to take a collective effort with anyone that wants to see the same thing. Join us each week as Dan starts the conversation to do just that. On the show, Dan will interview incredible individuals that have made the impossible possible. Those that have won game of life and those that want to help others win as well hit subscribe and follow dan's journey on instagram at the dan cates let's explore anyone and anything that can help make this world a better place increasing the odds of us all winning the game of life and now here's your host dan cates hello everyone today i've got one of my favorite recreational players and is quite the businessman, Fedora Holtz. He's uh happens also be the what the biggest tournament winner in 2015, uh, until 2016, the biggest winner on Hendon Mob, something like this. And uh, part of the 30 Forbes 30 under 30, of course, as the astonishing businessman that he yet is. I am actually curious how your business is doing. I have no idea, to be honest. Um, but I presume it's doing well. It's, that's my impression. I think I heard that somewhere. Uh, Fedor, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. Yeah, so how did it all get started, Fedor? The poker or the business? Let's, let's start with the poker because I am a poker player. We'll get to the business so we can like warm up and warm up my brain so I can uh, warm up everyone's brain so you don't blow our minds with all this business stuff you've got going on these days. I know poker, you know, you're only playing 5% of the time uh, as like a full pro. Um, yeah, just just lead us into the recreational uh, player life. Yeah, so... Um, the really quick download is I started, you know, playing one cents, two cents with friends when I was like 16, um, started really liking it, uh, started playing full time for years without much success, then um, had my breakthrough year in the third year, made my first million, um, moved to Vienna, um, and then played high stakes live and online MTTs for like four years. Mm -hmm. had a really really good year in 2016 and then quit so that's that's the the fast zoom through poker career all right so you conquered the poker world and decided it was too easy so it was time to start a business or to go back into the business world or where you really belonged it sounds like yeah, not really. I, I was pretty burned out from playing actually and um, just felt like taking a break and then um, I, I guess I always liked learning new things. So uh, it's not that I, that I had this thought, oh, I need to build a business. It was more like I, get, I started getting curious about new things and then some of them uh, uh, turned into businesses. Okay. That's interesting. It's a much different route than 
how I entered business. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I was actually reading about you. You're a bit more similar to myself as I thought. It sounds sounded like you were not successful in the beginning with poker, but you kind of grinded it out and worked your way up. And you also originally started with video games, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was... Um... I would say I probably played a couple thousand games without much success. Um, so, you know, less than 2K in profit or something. And uh, mostly I, it was like I was probably winning on like up to, you know, $50 or $100 buy-ins. And then I just randomly played two, four and five, ten heads up or like played the, the 200 Sonic or like a 1K or something. So it was... Uh, uh, it was not great bankroll management, and uh, and then I think I I, I got um, it was really good for me because the moment I was good enough to play basically everything, I couldn't donk it off anywhere anymore. So uh, that I I think led to me building my bankroll. All right, uh, well, sounds like you made wise decision. Um, unlike many tournament players who made all their money and decided to donk it off. Yeah, I think I I don't know. I think after after we were successful, uh, especially with my my group of friends, it it seemed really hard. Like there weren't really many spots where it felt like, "Oh, now this is this is a, a spot to to lose it all back." Like never really felt close. Like obviously I had downswings and I lost money, but it never um never really felt like, "Okay, now I'm going to lose it all." Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it sounds like you already had the right mentality. You have to learn the hard way. Some people, these, this bankroll management stuff comes in naturally. I think uh, the German efficiency may have helped. Although, in my opinion, you've got uh, a little bit of uh, uh, flair compared to many of the Germans. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, I don't know. Your style of poker is a bit, uh, how should I say, um, less less German and a little bit more, more like intuitive businessman style. I mean, not that businessman style, but it's not like uh, let's say it's not uh, not by the Sims, and it's more. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe a little bit what's more. What's the what's the flair? What's the flair you described? I don't know the stare downs and the the bluffs with with zero equity, <laughs> the, the the um the live reads and the uh let's see, dare I say ego? Would you say that? I'll let you decide if that's uh I don't I don't I don't really know to be honest. I don't want to judge, but uh, the the pride or the the belief in oneself. Yeah. The belief in oneself. I, I would say um, definitely ego. I felt like, although it was interesting because I felt um, much more tension from my opponents than from myself. Like I was definitely tense and I was, uh, I, I had this, you know, um, feeling like, oh, I got to prove people here. You know, it's like always competitive and always about like going at it. But I feel there was something weird about it where, other people had it much more with me. You know, I think that was actually a big reason why I, I um, crushed 
so hard back then because there was a certain point where I tamed my, you know, in uncertainties a bit, but then everyone was still going nuts against me. And it's just like led to spots that you never like they, you know, they, they make crazy calls against me. And in the spot where I just, I never bluff and, or, or don't over bluff for sure. And, and um, they would never do that against any of the other guys. And it's just, that, that was actually, I think, a, a, a pretty, um, pretty big uh, reason for my success. I think that people started doing things against me that they wouldn't do against someone else. And I guess that must have some ego reasons as well. It sounds like uh, the metagame got involved a little bit. And, well, I'm a little bit surprised you're admitting a little bit of your secrets here because I wouldn't have known that you were like, shivering your boots a little bit as it sounds uh i don't think it matters anyway and yeah it sounds like there's some like this isn't really german style like german style is i know is like open the exact precise range and three bit uh, with the randomizer that's secretly used with the hands this is what how i envision german style um if you know about the shuffle chip randomizer method uh i don't do maybe you do that i've also heard at the poker table, you do the exact same thing uh, every single hand, at least in the beginning. Uh, I didn't know that, by the way. Someone just randomly told me that they were like studying you and they're trying to figure out your secrets. Well, you it's true. I, I I had a time where I did like um, basically just try to have a routine where I automatize everything I'm doing, like the speed of my bets the way I grab the cards just to like, it's kind of the, the Steve jobs thing around just putting the same pullover on like this idea, just like do everything. Um, like he has, he always wore the same black pullover to not think about what to wear. Oh, and, okay. um, and, and that was the same idea as like, I just didn't want to think about it. You know, I just wanted to do it always the same. So I didn't have to think about how do I grab my cards? Did you see like, because, because I saw it with other players as they, I could see in their face when they looked at their cards um, if they were excited or not. So like I was like when I played a 1K Turbo, I knew for a third of the players whether they have a good hand or not. You know, like it's there's a lot of information in like how you look at your cards, how you grab them. Like you see already that when a hand takes longer preflop, some people just have a folding position with their hand. And oh, yeah, um, sure. that's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely guilty of that myself a little bit. That one, I don't know about the excitement, but. That one I know that I do a little bit. Yeah, not with stronger players, the excitement, but with everyone um, medium and weaker, like oh, for you sure. will see if they, you know, if they get like tens plus ace king, you will just see that they become more interested in the action where they're generally maybe less interested in what's going on. So um, th that's certainly something that uh, is, is easy to pick up when you, when you know what to look for. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the, the weaker players tend to tend to like be much worse in masking their their true feelings and tendencies. I personally have the belief that people's characteristics tend to. I'm really curious about this. I've never tested it, but I personally have the a belief that people's. Uh, well, I want to ask your opinion on this. That people's. Um, psychological tendencies show a lot more if they're beginners or uh, moderate players because they're not as aware as what they're doing. 
um, their characteristics in life. I'm not sure to what extent, but really curious to see if that's true. I don't, what do you think as a businessman? It's, I, I think it's 100 percent true. The 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 I, I think in everything the what makes you up or what has you know like uh, had a big impact on you will vibe through all the things you do. I think, and what I what I see it's actually funny because with the weaker players you will see it in their superficial actions. With the stronger players you see it in their less superficial actions. So. Um, even, even if you look at, let's say, the 50 best players in the world, you will still see their characteristics really strongly in the way they play. Um, and just not so easy to decipher, right? It's not so easy to, to interpret it, but still you see the, the calm, very precise and professional um, characteristic like very competitive characteristic of for example stevie right like in his very very calm and like very composed um um behavior and so it's not easy to interpret but you can still see his character um it's just not easy to put a put a hand to it okay yeah i was gonna ask what do you mean like that do you have another example to to give um so for example let's say on the very wide spectrum of a beginner is um, I often make the the Brazilian businessman example is um, I had I had a, a a hand that I played with someone he's maybe in his mid fifties like super nice guy we started chatting before the hand and we sat down and he wore like um, some very expensive jewelry and really expensive watch and we were playing like a two k and um, and he was very you could tell like he's out like just from before right I I. I uh, didn't know who he was and you could tell he's outgoing. Um, he's probably, um, you know, more on the emotional side, more on the intuitive side, but also more on the pride and ego side. And um, like for me, that's, for example, in game, you will always see he hasn't studied like to, um, to weigh this on the other side. So, so his actions will reflect this personality in, in the hands he plays. So a guy tried to bluff him for 200 big blinds and he called second pair and he won. And that's, I, I think that's a good representation where um, he had a bluff catcher. This type of personality will always choose to call um, if they feel, for example, they want to show the other party something. Like if the other guy is like a guy, you know, maybe more, um, more um, where it's about a fight, the guy will never back off. But when it's, for example someone you know like um younger or a female like he would be more giving and and it's not so much about winning you know so there's a very interesting dynamic in his characteristics that will show within the way he plays hands and then on the other end you will see someone who um, maybe has the same characteristics but has studied for years or like has pl played poker for a long time they learn like they will still have this characteristic you know it will still be in them but they learn to um, to not let it run through all their actions, but you will still see it in everything they do. You know, it will just maybe not uh, convert to actions that much. Okay, uh, no, that's a great example with the Brazilian businessman. Can you give an example of the the high level player and how it shows through all their actions? Who that who's yeah, contrasting like with Stefan? Because I feel like there's a lot of calm, high stakes people who are really good at high stakes poker that are really calm and stoic if that makes sense 
Mm -hmm. um, so for example, um, let's take um, Mikita. Yeah, so um, I know him mediocre well, but like I think he's an exceptional uh, player. And from when I start, because I saw him over the years, you know, I saw, I think I played the, um, some of his first Hyrule or like, you know, when he started getting more into the Hyrule life scene, I, I played with him. So I saw him from the right beginning to now when he's, I think, an absolute end boss. And it's really interesting to see this development where he he was full of doubt. Like he was very focused on numbers. He was very focused on, you know, oh, like I just play my game. Like this is, I, I studied this and, and he gave away a lot of tells um, and he was pretty uncomfortable as well. Like it wasn't his, you know, just his surrounding. Um, and to, to see that where his personality, I, I think is that he's very, very genuine, uh, very kind guy actually. Um, but he's also reserved, right? He's, he's more, um, he wants to understand things like it needs to be logically, uh, um, it needs to be logical. And, and, and that's where he comes from is he, he learned poker through logical conclusions and a very, you know, very uh, theoretical approach. And then uh, I could see how this approach is still the same, you know, he's still, he's still logical in this approach, but he, he learned this, this other part of the game. So um, that was really really cool to see how he's still the same, but he's much, much better in action. Huh. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. It's interesting to, to know, to point out that development. I, I didn't see that him, him do. I didn't watch his development myself, but it's always interesting to see the evolution of poker and players and people in general, actually, by the way, do you uh, know, have you ever partied with him? Um, I think maybe once, but I, I believe, uh, he's into party. <laughs> yeah, kind of surprisingly. So a little secret about Nikita, uh, fish 2000, what the fuck's his name? Uh, keep, 13. Uh, 2013. All right. Uh, is that he, uh, can rap to Eminem. So that's a bit of a surprise. And apparently he's pretty good with the ladies, which, um, I don't know. You just seem like a soft-spoken guy to me. I didn't expect either, really, uh, for him to be a bit, a bit of a soothsayer and possibly a rapper. What the who who would have thought? Um, what are some of the biggest challenges you've had becoming su successful at poker? Um, I would say certainly only almost only emotional. Like every everything around the game was uh, fun, I would say. So in terms of getting better, it was always fun and easy for me. In terms of what the challenges were, it was mostly emotional. So I I had a weird position in the poker world where a lot of people had some um, anger or disappoint like. Um, some reason to not like me, although they didn't really know me. Go ahead. You you said that you were talking about your emotional problems in poker um, and people having issues with you, potentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I would describe it. Uh, my biggest challenge was um, that yeah, mostly mostly emotional. That I I felt like a lot of people had some type of tension with me without much interaction. So uh, you could say, you know, they maybe didn't like me or had some type of um, 
um, I am, I'm missing a good word, but it's, it's mostly, um, it could be maybe sometimes envy. It could be um, like, I, I felt it specifically when I had my really good year, you know, it just felt like everyone else is losing type of thing and uh, I'm <laughs> taking their money and it, and they, you know, there's this, this anger towards me, like, Oh, you know, you're taking our money type of feeling. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy because back then I couldn't really, you know, how do you address this or like how, how to, how to talk about this or how to, you know, it was just tension, like a lot of like expectations from my end, but then also like it felt every interaction was a lot of tension and it's crazy to see it now when all of them are rich and I'm not really in the scene anymore. And I come back to play a tournament. It's so relaxed, you know, everyone is nice and like there's none of that tension is there or very little. And it's just a really relaxed atmosphere. And that to me was, uh, yeah, th these were probably my biggest challenges that I felt like I'm constantly emotionally um, challenged by lots of situations in the poker world. You mean so just socially, like outside the poker table, or do you mean, um, because this would be outside, well, I guess this would be on the table as well. I mean, this is an interest, I never even heard this take, but this makes a lot of sense. It's it's a, because it's so weird to to um, address because w how do I even call it? You know, what is this? It's like, let's say with my close friends, it was, I felt like I couldn't talk about problems because they think I'm, you know, I'm beyond, like I run so good that I don't have the right to address something I'm not feeling well with. You know, that's that was the first thing that was difficult is I couldn't say, oh, I had a bad day because then they're like, oh, but you just won like millions. Um, that was the first thing. And the second thing was that in the poker environment, it felt like there were there was quite some aggression towards me of, you know, of some form, not not in an open way. And that's the I think that's the thing that makes it difficult. It would never nobody ever was you know openly mean to me. Yeah. Envy is what is it? There's like some kind of saying about it being like the silent uh silent it might have been the silent assassin i'm not sure but it's like the silent like way that uh people like kind of hold you back or can hold you back in ways it's kind of an ugly thing uh it's up there on ugly things there's lots of ugly things out there but uh yeah it seems like kind of a tricky thing to deal with especially as someone who's like been in the who's in the successful position where you didn't like necessarily do anything wrong. Um, and it seems like every, I imagine that anytime you do something that can be interpreted as wrong, it like blows up is my guess. Is that accurate? Yeah, I guess it's, um, or at least there's so many facets, there's so many facets to it as well. It was like one part was I, I felt a lot of pressure in terms of performing Mm -hmm. um but 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 it's not you know it's not that they did it or like they did it, like i'm blaming someone like that's not really it it's just when i look back at my poker career i i just felt like in terms of the environment um i i much i really i'm personally i really like working with people you know like poker for me was always uh, a way to mentally challenge myself and i loved it because i had people i could bounce ideas back and forth with like this was the the main reason i loved it it's not you know, to sit there and grind, like this was never um, really like never, I, I never really enjoyed long grinds. I, I loved the studying part and the learning part and the, um, 
the, I love the playing part on a competitive level, but this was more like a, you do a test, you know, like that was more this thing rather than like I grind for 12 hours, six days a week like this. I never really did. So I love the learning and proving that I am good at what I learned, but I'm not, um, I, I don't want to engage in this, you know, like big swinging contest so much. Um, and that's why I, I didn't feel good about it. Like I didn't feel good about the position I put myself in because I, I somehow ended up in this. I somehow ended up in like, oh, you know, now I'm the number one. And like, it's, um, there's like, a, 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 you know, an ego fight around who's better. And like, and I just realized like, hey, I don't, I don't, this is not good for me. I don't, I don't feel good about this. Yeah, I actually had uh, the same kind of issue with it myself because everyone, because like the point of poker or a big part of the point of poker is it's like you kind of have to test yourself against someone else. Uh, if you have to test your, I actually think a big aspect of it is testing your emotional intelligence in the sense of testing your self-control and to some extent your discipline. Uh, a lot of emotional traits, emotional um intelligence traits or values this sort of thing test your um conviction uh you have to be brave in a certain sense uh but the issue with it is that it it's someone has to lose and actually by the way the theme of the podcast the real theme of the podcast is how well how do we all win the game of the game of life that's the ultimate theme by the way so you're kind of getting to that uh which business is where it's as people are actually lately learning in business i think it was not always this way people are lately learning that the more value you give to the world the ultimately the most the more money you make well definitely the more life you most life utility you make i don't know if the more mon most money you make necessarily doesn't seem always true but whatever um anyway winning the game of life the big picture it starts with being good enough to uh, win at the poker table, I think, is an important part, but starts with changing ourselves and ultimately, as you said, like lifting us up in a way, like working together kind of thing. Um, but we'll get to the whole business stuff in a moment. I uh, Well, first, go ahead if you have some thoughts. No, I, I, I think you summarized this one well. I... I... I'm super interested in the game of life and uh, making it uplifting. So, uh, all right. Well, what, what are your thoughts on it? My thoughts are we've uh, got some good stuff coming up that you may be interested in. Um, this is partly okay. the podcast is part of it. You're actually part of it right now. Picture that because the word's getting out and maybe, maybe life can be a game we can all win. Um, it's really complicated, actually. I'm trying to figure out figure that part out. But part of it is exposure, which here we are, that uh, building the podcast, spreading the word, getting stuff, making stuff happen. Um, I understand uh, you've got a fascination with Elon Musk. Uh, do you want to talk about that? How does that affect how you live your life? How how do you get to that conclusion? A little side research. Is yeah. that accurate? I would say fascination yeah i think he's interesting i, I read his biography and um i i follow some things he does um but but uh, i wouldn't say i'm a fanatic uh, but yeah i it's i find interesting what he does and it's it's generally um mostly also 
you know, there's, there's this multiplier where how much traction he gets and how many people um, have an idea, you know, like have this image of him and I really strongly believe in this image of him like that. I find also fascinating how he built that and, and uh, this idea because he's a, you know, he's an image himself, like crazy image. Yeah. Uh, even though he maybe doesn't have the most followers, I believe he's one of the strongest images in the world. And that's pretty impressive, like how he did that just by troll tweeting for a couple of years. Like, that's actually really funny. <laughs> um, all right, that is a bit of a, more of a tangent than I thought. Uh, I will say he's definitely got a hell of an image. Um, one thing about, I wonder if poker can be can teach a lesson about image because in life it's really hard to live up to your image because a lot of people have these great images, but it takes really a lot of discipline and consciousness, conscientiousness and awareness or whatever to be as big of a deal as your image. If that makes sense, maybe it's impossible. I'm not even sure, but I'm, I'm really, I'd like to live up to a massive image seems super difficult. Mm, maybe you live up to your image. You've got a good, good image. I'd say, Mr. I mean, it looks like I've seen a lot of like proactive kind of stuff as a, um, or at least stuff that I agree with. Uh, I think that is proactive as I've been uh, looking into what you're doing. Um, go ahead. Regarding image, I, I actually believe that honesty is the number one way to live up to your image because there's nothing you need to live up to. There's no expectation you need to, you know, for, if people believe X, you don't need to do X. It's authentic and um, and and people are impressed and inspired by it if you just don't try to be X. I actually believe there's a strong correlation between that is if you don't try to be what other people, you know, believe of you or think of you is if you just do your thing and you tell them this is what I'm going to do and whatever they make of it, you just continuously tell them what you believe in and, and what you have done and what you haven't done. And I feel that's much more attractive and inspiring than uh, than trying to create an image that you aren't or haven't done or whatever. I almost totally agree with you. In theory, I agree with you 100%. The thing that I would, um, in practice, not necessarily agree with, um, I have to think of the poker parallels of this a little bit, but in practice, I find it's very hard to... Uh, like almost no one really 100% is what they say they are. And there's tons of people in the world that think that they're honest or think that they're good. But as soon as like, and you know this probably, maybe you know this in poker, I don't know how much influence, um, experience you have with like loaning people money, for example. But if people were as great as they aspire to be, they would always pay back, right? It's just really hard to have all the right characteristics in order as like practices to make to um, live up to what you what people would like to believe in, if that makes sense. Uh, I find that to be true all the time. And a lot of people's like idea of honesty and being good just is like what they're how should I say? Um it, it falters very easily, if that makes sense, or it falters when it's tempted, uh, unfortunately, as, as like, you know, life you discover in life, especially if you're an idealist. What do you think? 
Yeah, but I also think that, for example, I never was disappointed or sad that it happened. Um, like, for example, if I loaned someone money and he couldn't pay me back, it was never necessarily the fact that he couldn't pay me back. Like, I, I was or am well aware that that's, you know, something that can happen. It's more the way that they lied about it and they hide, they hid it and like they lied again and they said they will pay it back and then they didn't pay it back and then they ghosted you and then they like, yeah, I feel it is very much about <laughs> the dishonesty spiral that comes with necessarily with the fact itself. Like if someone is honest about it and says like, hey man, you know, I fucked up, um, X, Y, Z happened. Um, and, um, you know, and they're like, that's the first thing they say is they, they take responsibility, they're honest with what happened, and they say, hey, I can't back pay you back right now. Um, I will, you know, update you on a regular basis and be transparent with, you know, what type of income I have. I, you know, like, then you know what's going on, then you can, that's something you can plan with, and you, you still trust that person, you know, like, yeah, I, I feel it's really more about the lying and deceiving and the fear and the, like that part then it is about the actual thing that you aren't getting paid back yeah no that i totally agree with it's like really frustrating uh sometimes ironically like when i've been in the shoes of the person who's owed money i've actually found myself irrationally like angry at people who have tried to pay me back but have been not the most honest or responsible people yeah i've got someone in mind uh God, what was that guy's name? Yeah, he's pretty tall. He, uh, with a T, Tim, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe some, some guy like that, uh, comes to mind. Although we did really, uh, it's funny because that guy paid a lot back, but sometimes the dishonesty or whatever, uh, really, really, uh, makes a lot of things seem, really frustrating and worse and kind of infuriating that i i 100 agree i wish that people at, at the very least got rid of that part and just like fessed up to all mistakes um 100 there uh one thing i find about high stakes poker players that i personally pride myself in and i think people get this wrong about a lot of high stakes poker players but i think you're a fine example as well is that uh, a lot of them actually are really honorable and honest that's what's really surprising to me i don't even understand why that is at least the high stakes successful ones maybe it's like because it's easier but i don't know if it's because it's easier or because they always were because i can't think of that many really that were dishonest and then that solved itself because then they had money if you know what i mean um but uh it just feels as though maybe maybe it's because they all had to rely on their competence more i thought i thought that when i was in, in my school but what do you think i disagree with that actually i think really? um okay yeah I, I really think that it's mostly biased because um people who are in good situations just don't need to do it like that yeah. that is simply that like i i think um it really depends on which situation you put people in. I think the only quality that matters is how much you can keep your integrity when under pressure. Like, I think that's the only thing that matters because keeping integrity when not under pressure is something that I think almost everyone can do. 
but like you need to be a fuck up to you know to be a um to to steal from people when you're in a great spot like i i think that not many people do um but when you are under pressure then taking from others or lying is like that's i think very very few people i know where i would say i trust them even when they are you know in big trouble or under pressure and um i i feel that's uh yeah not many yeah and myself included like i i if i i i gotta be super honest there is I would say when I was 19, you know, like I had a not rough, but like, um, you know, never, we had never money. And like, it was, there were times where it was quite tight. And I definitely remember these feelings of like lying around money or like, you know, stealing something out of a shop. Like there, there are definitely these moments where I could feel this like negative energy around, you know it's bad like you feel like you know with your back against the wall and you're like okay like I I I don't know how to behave in this spot and I feel it takes like years and years of practice and um, uh, even now I can feel like when I am under pressure that these thoughts come up and it's like this exercise to calm them down and like just know it's fine like uh, I I do my thing well, of course, it has to be the case that the pressure occurs when someone, when like your back's against the wall. I mean, it has to be the case. And that's when colors show. I'd like to imagine that the high stakes players have generally done the right thing when they have had their backs against the wall. At least most poker players have tried, uh, in my experience. I mean, there's many examples I can think of. I actually think Brent Kenny is a, one of the best examples. He's, he, he had integrity in one particular situation that was more than I think was reasonable actually, but it worked out for him. I, uh, I could be wrong though. I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe it's just my confirmation bias, but one, another thing I'd like to demonstrate or talk about is that the people who are really, really successful, not exactly just in poker in my observations, but I haven't exactly taken a poll. Um, is that, is that, uh, they tend to be really, uh, good or charming people, mm, charming in my experience, they tend to be really good people, at least from the outset. But of course, it's in my experience, it's a bit polarized. And of course, things are never as it seems. They're at least really good at making a good impression, which is, you know, in my opinion, a version of being good. It's just, it's sort of like, how can I say? It's like the equivalent of being aggressive in poker, right? So when you're aggressive in poker, it's better on average than being passive, but if you use it wrong, then it can be like a big hurdle and it actually can really blow up in your face. And the same thing for if you're really charming, if that makes sense, because it's on the whole a good thing to be really charming. It's better, it makes people feel better, blah, blah, blah. But if you follow it up with shitty actions, it makes you look like a sociopath. Uh, but if you follow up with good actions, oh, now you're that great guy all along, you know what I mean? Um, if that makes any kind of sense. Uh, do you agree with my observations of uh, successful people? I, I want to, again, add that sometimes they're the biggest pieces of shit ever uh, because that's important to know. <laughs> I think they're polarized. Hey, um, I, I see why you, why you'd say that. I, 
I, I think there's a couple of things that first of all, there's a huge bias towards meeting the one that want to meet. Like yeah. a lot of the really successful ones that don't want to meet people, like obviously aren't very sociable. Yeah. So if you there's there's quite some people who, you know, who mostly have been really successful and prefer to not go out and meet a lot of people. And obviously you therefore have some bias to meet more sociable people because they're also looking to meet more people. So I feel that's that's the first thing where if I go into the deep tech scene or um, the crypto scene, there's definitely some more people that just don't, you know, like they, they also like interaction and they like collaboration, but they don't necessarily want to meet like hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. Mm, so that's one, th- one observation I made. And then the other one regarding the charm. I mean, I think a big part of it is, is uh, like mobilizing resources, right? So getting people to work with you or getting people to invest in you or like a lot of what I've seen in the, in the startup world is it's a huge part of it. It's not so much about how great you are at execution. It's also part of it, but it's also a lot about how well you are, like how good you are at, at mobilizing resources. And that's why more people are successful who have that quality, at least, you know, whether themselves or in their team yeah. uh, of founders. And so that is a big part. And um, I would say then there's the third part that I see a lot is when you are successful, you also get more resources to develop yourself. Like this is what I've seen heavily is like there is this, this reinforcing spiral where when you do well, you have more money and more resources to do even better because you meet interesting people and you can travel and you, you can um, simplify things and you have great experiences and then that leads to more development and more. And so generally I feel that people who are successful aren't interesting or inspiring or charming necessarily because, you know, they were like this with 16. It's more because they had 10 years of resources available to continue developing their personality. And then you end up more relaxed after 12 years of great personal development rather than 12 years of stress. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I I personally think um, this this all kind of boils down to uh, how should I say? Um, it all all ultimately boils down to do you use what you're given to for a better for better uh, or at least should I say are the results that you get a matter of luck? Plus, how should I say, um, the resources that you're given because, I mean, obviously people start in all sorts of places in life and, well, let's put it like this. It's, the question I would ask is, in, as a poker example, there's this thing called a net and, you know, there's all these like swings up and down or whatever. But all you can do is focus on your edge and ultimately it leads to going higher and higher places. And I, I personally think there is an edge in life. And yes, of course, the more success you have, the more potential for edge you have. And I would even personally, at least I would like to do a lot more research on this because it's a very hard thing to prove. Um, I would argue that the more and more edge the whole world has, 
the more par parabolic the experience of the world can be, if that makes sense. The, mo the whole parabolic, I mean, you can see in technology, the, the progress of technology is going parabolic. Um, uh, so would you, do you think, would you say there's a significant edge in life or you think it's all, uh, or do you think really there's just a shit ton of variants and the edge is really diminished and it's not, it's kind of diminishing these days or what do you think? Um, I'm not sure I can vibe with the edge comparison to life um, because I feel edge is like so much about um, a win rate and yeah. um, in, in like, you know, within a predefined environment because you need to set what you're winning at yeah. and to define if you're winning or not, there needs to be some type of definition of what is a win and what is a loss. And I feel... I, I feel that is a misconstruction around like life being defined or definable. I, I don't think it is. I, I think it's beyond our comprehension, so complex um, because there's no boundary where you can draw a line and say, okay, there's where the connection ends. I think it's everything is connected basically. And it's either you understand it all or you don't understand it enough basically. And I don't think understanding it all is really feasible or even understandable. Oh, for sure now for me it's more um when i look at what you would i understand what you meant with edge when i look at that or try to think about that or you know let's let's say good and bad for an even simpler simplification of you know doing something good for the world then what i have to think of all the time is i believe we as humans always try to optimize for us like i i believe even when we do something for someone else then it's because our our consciousness is is at a point where we believe that doing something for that person is good for us. Yeah. And and I really truly believe that the only progress that is helpful for us is to understand more and more connections of things. So that basically I believe there is a connection between your well-being and my well-being and I believe that um it is generally better for me if everyone else is doing well. And, and that, I think, leads to a really, really nice dynamic where if we all care about the well-being of everyone else, then we automatically help ourselves. Like, I think we see it very much in society is when in countries or cities where people are doing much better, like immediately everything else is like rising up as well um, for lots of unseen reasons. And uh, I, I guess that's kind of my life philosophy that um, to try to understand more connections and try to really understand like really understand how you feel what's going on in your life like in different people's lives across the globe and um trying to question you know different viewpoints like i feel that automatically leads to um better behavior you know or or me automatically doing more things that take more people into consideration like that's i guess my life philosophy in fact i was recently reading an article that talked about something like the god's eye view which takes into account the whole picture of many sectorized industries um and basically at the very smallest level it's really hard to see that certain values like being good to people are uh being honest say in your portrayal of your your uh 
your social media profile and things like that are really, how can you say, uh, necessarily bad, but in the, in the long run, in the super long run, or in the God's eye view, uh, you can see in, um, in economics and let's see what other areas like the beauty competitions you see today, Liv Bowery actually was commenting on, commenting on this, how beauty competitions are getting really, really out of control. Social media is distorting, distorting our perceptions of what beauty is. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of examples, but you can see that these, these values that, that we consider to be inherently good or feel that they're good ultimately do contribute to the, um, the ultimate well-being of everyone. Uh, and that's what I believe. And I, I think, I mean, on this, I personally feel on this, uh, in this way, we're totally on point. As far as edge is concerned, I also, uh, to be clear, I was not viewing edge as something that's like exactly mathematically defined, just that there's something within your control that you can do in your actions every day that puts your experience and the experience of everyone else. And again, ultimately your experience up a little bit more than if you take the shitty route, if that makes sense. It's just that there's something in control and it's, it's, it's indifferent of the variance of life that you can do to have a little bit better experience eventually, if that makes sense. Does this make any sense to you? Yeah, it, it makes sense. I, I think I understand you. Okay. Um, are we on the same page? Um, I actually try to not spend too much energy with the entire control idea because okay. I feel it's something that I, I find it interesting to hear different viewpoints, but I also feel like there's only kind of the viewpoint of um, like a scale of how much control we believe we have. You know, some people believe, oh, there's no control, it's pure variance. And some people believe, oh, everything, you know, is your actions and and full control i think um i probably am more on the side of there is no control like i don't think we we look at something and then decide oh we do a or b but also i feel it's not something that will ever help me you know like if if let's say i know for certain that's true i would still do the same things i would be doing right now so i i feel it's not a very uh it's an intriguing but not a very helpful uh, question for me so what do you think is helpful for you and for everyone else? Um, that's a great point. I, I feel um, the, the most simplest form for me is, is trying to center myself around what um, I kind of feel. <laughs> I feel that in, in terms of my personal development, I feel that I can have the most impact if I just focus on the things at hand. Let's yeah. say like this. So um the people i engage with um the the projects i'm working on right now my well-being and i i realized like i was doing way 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 too many things and i was involved in a lot of projects i was doing a lot of things a lot of plans a lot of traveling and i'm realizing if i really try to focus on in these things like how am i feeling right now how am i feeling towards this and then when i do something like do it really present and just then life is full with much less things um and that to not overload my life and to be really present in the things i'm doing i guess that's the 
really basically everything I'm doing. And it's actually quite, it's quite simple. Like if I would tell you about everything I'm doing, like it's not, uh, it's uh, not extravagant or crazy. It's like quite straightforward and becoming uh, less crazy or, or um, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely guilty of uh, doing lots of extravagant and uh, <laughs> things myself and coming to a similar realization. But I personally uh, struggled with what exactly are the things um, and then kind of kind of come to a conclusion. Um, it's uh, certain things are really hard to practice, but uh, go ahead. You had something to say? Yeah, yeah, maybe regarding because you just mentioned that I feel the hardest part for me was I, I, I thought about it too much. It's like just what you mentioned around. I had so many things where I started thinking first of what I should be doing now. It's like, okay, let's say I have this idea that, oh, I, I would like to um, build something. And it's like, okay, what am I building? Like, is it a company? It's like, where do I, and then if it's a company, where do I incorporate it? And who do I build it with? And like, um, how do I set it up and how do I fund it? And like, now you can already see how much energy it's just going into the, yeah, the idea. A lot of, like the, a lot of uh, it, rabbit holes or a lot of the strings or whatever you want to call them. Exactly. And now it's literally just like, I try to actually do the opposite. And I didn't do that before. Before I, I, I'm more a dreamer personality. You know, I'm, I'm visualizing things and I'm in my head and I actually actively try to bring myself in the opposite direction. Just be like, what's the most simple form of the thing that I want to do? And it's like, okay, when it was about crypto is, okay, like what is the most simple form? Is it like, because then I also try, I also understand is like sometimes things sound interesting, but they actually can't, I can't really boil it down to, to something. And then maybe it's because I don't understand, or maybe it's because it actually doesn't really make much sense. And, and there's, like there's so much learning in this thing of like okay actually um sometimes it's really really simple that i just want to um do one specific small thing but i build an entire company to just do this one thing you know and <laughs> i can actually get this one thing much easier is i can consult another company and just do this one thing and that's it that's all i want to do and that's often actually um what i learned now is Sometimes I just want to, you know, build something with my hands and then I try to uh, do a little workshop around how to build a chair or like do something else. And that is so rewarding for me rather than trying to um, spend like a hundred hours around um, the, the surrounding, let's say like this. Behind learning how to build a chair uh, from scratch or something. I'm not sure what you mean by the surrounding yeah i made it i made a poor example but but for example um a lot of the businesses i built i the core of it i really liked mm -hmm. and then i spent 80 percent of the time doing things i don't like so much to do to enable the thing i really like that's, that's what you get other people to do and it's just a lot of wasted time yeah but but then oftentimes it doesn't work out that way and then you have the responsibility to um because you know it's my company then it's like okay someone didn't do the job the way we intended it and then you need to find someone else or so so really seeing that it's not that easy to just you know this is the idea and you want it to happen and then you tell three people to do it exactly that way that's not how 
how it plays out normally. So what I realize is oftentimes, um, for me at least, things can be much simpler. As if, if, uh, if I want to do something and if I'm excited about something, there's a much simpler way. A much simpler way to what? A much simpler way to what? Sorry, I think a much simpler way than building a business uh, on top of it or or with it. A much simpler way than building a business. Oh, okay, okay. But what would you do instead? So, for example, I I'm really excited about bringing people together. Like I, I really love um, hosting dinners or like I host events regularly where I invite uh, interesting people and um, and I'm really excited also about physical spaces and bringing people together and designing the spaces and architecture and um, I, I'm excited about meeting new people. So I I one of my businesses was actually like building a physical space in Vienna, um, kind of like a community space where. I bring together um, exciting artists and musicians and entrepreneurs and um, like craftsmen and um, there would be like um, a restaurant in there and uh, an event space and so on. So kind of like a, a big facility. And um, what I saw there is I, I'm still pretty excited about that, but oftentimes I overcomplicated it by trying to build this idea rather than actually doing the thing, you know, and like running an event and like out of the event, then build like, then later on this comes, but like, I realized that, no, wait, let me just start and do, you know, an event a month or every two months. And then later on, I have hundreds of people who know each other and they're excited about it already. And like, this is the thing I realized is do first, you know, like get out there, do it, do it, do it. And then things happen. And, and uh, if I do the thing that I'm, that I believe at the core of it, that I'm excited about, um, then the ball will get rolling but if i you know spend too much time with the idea and it's just like oh we it's like one year of planning and then uh, like nothing really happens it's just um i i realize that i learn much faster and progress much faster if i just get straight into doing the essential thing that i wanted to do i i didn't explain it very well but um i'm much different in my style of working than i than i was uh, years ago yeah I'm I will say that I'm a fan of that idea of bringing together a lot of interesting people, although it was almost like too fascinating in my experience of being at these sorts of things. Um, that being said, as, as simple as it seems, it seems that conversations with people actually solves a lot of problems and getting ideas from other people. That's what I found myself. Uh, going back to the theme of alone, we're not that great. We're, we're cool or actually, excuse me, I changed my mind. Alone, we're great, but together we are, can be much more. Um, and uh, yeah, I still don't quite know what you mean by essential thing. It just seems like you're, you just narrowed your focus. Is, is that accurate to say? Or, or you... I did narrow my focus, but I really mean it more. Uh, let's take, let's take um, a business. I, I think that is a, it's a better example to do it in another business. So if we take a pharmaceutical company, yeah, um, their goal is not to 
help someone get healthier. Yeah. And I, I think that's what is it, right? Like if their goal would be to help people get healthier, there would be many, many more things that they could do that are very essential to that goal. Yeah. And um, that's where you can see is that pharmaceutical companies have nothing to do with people getting healthy anymore because they do nothing of these essential things. And what I mean by that is oftentimes I have an idea, but then I don't do the essential thing that I believe I should be doing for that idea. You know, if I'm excited about, oh, I want to be helping people um, and I could do that and I could do that and I could do that, but I could also start with something very simple and just do that. Yeah. And just start doing instead of like thinking about it or doing something else or like, I, I feel it's it's oftentimes people build these ideas or these wrong images of things, but rather than like actually doing the quintessential thing that okay that so it sounds like people should just do the thing and not do these like things that can go around these roundabout ways of getting there. Um, like I don't know, like what's a good example? Uh, like if someone is someone is trying to to jump really high, they'd first start with jumping and, you know, not do all these like secondary things until they get to a certain point with jumping. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think that's one part, but it's also that they lie in bed and they dream about jumping. They're like, oh, you know, jumping high would be so amazing rather than getting out on the, you know, fucking training ground and just going for it you know all right yeah action and decisiveness yeah we're we're on board with that yeah it's it's really not so much about taking you know that like oh you maybe do the something less effective like that's then the next step but i really mean it and like i've been dreaming so much about things oh i could do that and i could do it this way and it could be this and oh this could be so big and this instead of just going out there not thinking about how big it could be or and just like doing the really simple thing and then doing that again and again and again and again and seeing what comes of it. Um, with the, with the mistake of mine, I have a mistake of mine that, uh, that may be relevant. And in a moment, I, I don't want to spend too much time on myself, but basically I decided to like, try to build like an image and like build my name in like just general things and, try to make, make more and more money and ultimately in order to ultimately make a difference in the world. Um, but then I realized uh, that all those things made, made me look really ostentatious, ostentations, even though I wanted attention, I was getting the wrong kind of attention. And uh, what I should have done was just, was just actually start doing, you know, the right good things that were, is that right? Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. It's just, now I, I think it's a lot of people in my surroundings say this thing like, yeah, I do this now. And then in two years, I have enough money to go on holidays, you know, or like do a world trip. And I'm just like, man, just you have enough money already. You, you can go back to work at any time. Like just book a trip and go like. Just do if, it. If that is the thing. Yeah. Just if that is what you want to. And, and it's really the, the funny part about it is if I reverse engineer my poker career, that's what I did. 
there was no point in time in poker where I planned ahead and thought I would be, you know, super successful at it. It's like, I went out there, I enjoyed it, I did it. I did it again, I did it again, I did it again. 10,000 hours later, I was good at it. I didn't, like, obviously I planned a little bit and I set some challenges and so on, but I, I never planned to be successful with it. And I think every successful person telling you that they plan to become successful with it, I think are bullshitting. So I think it's really about, you get lucky, you, you do things you like, and um, things work out or they don't and then they might work out the next time but like I think it's really just about um, getting in there and like if you do the things that you enjoy I think at some point it will compound um, that that I just really believe that I do intuitively think you're right and definitely uh, from my experience you're right um, and uh yeah for my own shitty example i was throwing a bunch of parties and like djing i mean i wanted to do it anyway uh but this was like somehow for the greater good i guess and then i realized wait a second i'm just like doing all this like random stuff and not anything for the greater good let's let's do some charity stuff um i'm going to talk to you about that stuff in a moment because uh apparently you've got a little bit of a history of nonprofits. i have many thoughts on that but uh, what are you? What businesses are you actually involved in? Um, a variety, actually. So I did um, build. Yeah, I I did build. I would say six companies as co-founder, and um, and then I invested in about twenty. Um, and the ones I'm actively involved in right now, um, in the poker world, it's Poker Code and Odin. Um, so poker code is my is my coaching or my community um, and uh, Odin is like a is a solver tool and um, then outside of the poker world actually nothing where I have an active role right now so mostly just um, prime mind we built um, a couple of years ago which is a mindset coaching app with Elliot Rowe and um, then the, the, um, this uh, community space I told you about, that was a project uh, I put on ice now with Corona since uh, meeting people wasn't or isn't really possible, but I will build that at a later point in time, I think, in my life. And um, besides that, um, I would say it's mostly companies that I am uh, in, in at this point in time. All right. Well, it's pretty impressive track record, but I mean, I should expect uh, no less from basically a businessman right now. I mean, you are a legit businessman, six companies, like you could like, theoretically interest in private games and maybe you already have, you have your own uh, private parties. And I don't know, I haven't seen you in a tournament in a while. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that the number matters so much. I think it actually more shows that I went in there not really knowing what I, um, not really knowing much about the space, not really knowing much about my personal preferences. And actually one thing about business that I think is just really underrated is knowing your work style and knowing how you, you know, what type of, yeah, what type of work of, um, what type of way of working you enjoy. Like, I think that is just, nobody talks about this, you know, but you have so many options of, of designing your work in a way that, that is good for you. 
And um, it took me quite a bit to um, understand, you know, software company is a totally different beast than a, a physical product company than like, a, um, like you can name, you know, tens of different, dozens of different uh, um, industries where the, the way you will be working will be totally different. So oh, that's um, I, I learned a lot in these years. Yeah, I've been thinking about that myself. I, I personally don't understand really the process of figuring out like your role in something that's really nebulous. I mean, that's kind of the same thing again with life is like, what do like a lot of people do? Like a lot of people are wondering what the hell should they do? I personally think it goes back to literally just going in there and doing it and just like trying a bunch of stuff until something like clicks with you emotionally um, in life. I, I am curious about the process, entrepreneurial speaking, entrepreneurial entrepreneurially speaking just because um it seems a lot more solvable than you know the life problem uh yeah so how did you figure that out how did you figure out what you were suited to do or what best was, was best for you to do because i would also think that a lot of people want to do the same thing you know, a lot of people maybe want to be a boss or, you know, or want to like not sit at a desk. <laughs> yeah. So what are your, how do you answer that question? Learning by doing, um, learning by doing, but it's more what I would do now and less what I did. So what I did was really just, you know, pick people I trusted and started doing things with them. Like that was literally what we did. And then what I would do now is very different. I would um, highly recommend to get into an environment of people who have a lot of experience. So if I would, you know, if I would start now again, then I would try to figure out who the most inspiring people within just in the area of how you work, you know? So um, friends of mine are really um, strong in the remote um, work uh, scene basically what's about you know lots of crazy popping up companies who um, become unicorns in like 12 months you know 24 months and like one of them just hired like 800 people in a year you know so there's like these Not crazy to hire 800 people but I don't know I don't know it seems like the kind of thing that would backfire yeah and I mean they I think they're doing pretty well, but it's like looking at that, right? How do they do that? What what type of personalities in terms of leadership does it take? What what structure does it lead to? Um, like, I, I feel it's much easier to look into like five different companies and see what you like and what you don't rather than trying to make the experience yourself because it's much slower if you do it yourself. No, that's so what I would do right now is just like, take four weeks and look into a company and then take four weeks and look into another one and just see like, huh. you know, do you like more software? Do you like more hardware? Do you like remote work? Do you like, um, you know, which, which type of culture um, do you like, you know, more um, because it's, it's crazy different. It's like, if you are in a gaming studio, your calls, your people, your content of work will be entirely different than if you are, in a SaaS, like in a software development company, or if you are in a um, in a trading company, or if you are, you know, everywhere it's entirely different, just because the personality necessary and the, the content of work is is so different. So, I totally underestimated um, how different the environments would be. Like my dream environment is more of a um, I don't like to have lots of operational 
um, structural things. So I love the creative part. I love talking with designers. I love talking with um, um, creatives of all kinds. And like my dream scenario would probably be a gaming studio. You know, I, if I would develop a game, like that would probably be my favorite environment. But like I, I, um, I didn't test out enough environments uh, and, and needed to make the experience myself. Uh, you know what? At least that that's relevant to myself, but actually I've been more and more interested in games because uh, I'll, I'll tell you in a second why. Um, I, well, first of all, poker is a game. So there's that. Uh, I, well, let's go back to this whole idea of, let me think for a second. Let's go back to this whole idea of it. Yeah, let's go back to this whole idea of how can we make um, people win at the game of life? Uh, do well. Let's start with: Do you try to orient your businesses in that way, or or is it they're just more like kind of arbitrary fascinations, or do you have some ultimate goals in mind, or is that is that even a goal of yours? Let's put it that way. Um, I would say subconsciously, somehow it is. Like consciously, it's not. It's not that I say like, oh, I need to do, you know, like I don't know, do good. Like I, I don't, I wouldn't say that, but I feel subconsciously it's a pretty big driver apparently because I feel really good when I do things where I feel like someone is growing. Like I just coaching for example when i do coaching for poker code i i really enjoy that i really feel like the people are really genuine and very positive and i really enjoy if when i see like oh they progress and they they have a better approach to poker like more healthy for them you know it's also if i if you turn a losing player into a winning player and it changes like their some capacity like that is just a really nice feeling and um now it's more um it's more about doing this on scale it's like how do i build something that like prime mind was the same it, getting this feedback of people who have insomnia or you know can't sleep and then they listen to our app and and it helps them sleep like these are these mini that's experiences of like oh this is this is really awesome huh that's pretty crazy it's it's like i i would say that's that at least was always the driver for me to that that really made it awesome you know like money was one thing but it was really more about like oh man like there are people who really love this like who who really somehow get something out of this like that was mostly the the driver and and i think the next company or the next project i i will be involved in i i want to do that more at scale because poker coaching is like in the community it's nice but it's limited in scale and I, I feel doing something where there's this growth aspect for people or fun or excitement in some capacity and it reaches, you know, millions of people like that. I, I, I'm, I would be pretty excited about that. Well, I feel like, I feel like there may be uh, something um, that I can add to this, but it's a little bit nebulous as to how it would be realized and executed because let me tell you uh, a fun fact. Um, I've been contemplating what it is that creates the biggest impact possible because uh, 
lots of ambition and lots of dreaming. I come from America. We're a place of dreamers. Okay, we dream. Uh, shoot for the stars, all that stuff. And it's kind of a tough question to answer. And um, I mean, even like what is impact? Part of it is something like this. This, this is actually making this podcast is partly for my own self-growth because part of helping the world is helping oneself. So there, there's all that aspect, but let's focus on um, helping the world for a moment and how to, you know, what actually it is that helps the world in terms of like a sector. So for a long time, people, experts seem to ver to go back between education, um, health and energy because you need energy to do stuff. Uh, you need to be healthy to do stuff also. And you need education to uh, do a lot of things in the real world. But the first two, you need to be healthy, obviously, to like live. And you need energy to move. Um, and yeah, so for a while, they cycled it back between those. But then as of recently, uh, the idea that actually what it is, is sport that is creates the biggest impact. And then if you think about age groups, it's obvious that uh, helping the children is the big of the biggest impact. I don't know if you're thinking about things on this angle, but you said you want to do something on scale. But this is the latest thing that I feel like there's really something to um, is, well, first of all, like through poker, I mean, it seems feasible. I, it, we could argue that uh, many, many people that at least had success or like it could be said that many positive values are learned through poker and through gaming. Um, gaming and sport aren't that far away. The only thing that sport lacks is uh, sport lacks physicality. Let me take back, take this back a step and explain why sport. Um, are you following? Okay. Well, sport, because it's easy to have a lot of energy and it generates a lot of health by just participating in it. And there is a version of education that comes with it. It's more like an experiential kind of an education where people learn how to deal with real life situations because these are the games are essentially are kind of like abridged versions of reality and that you deal with all these sorts of emotions and stuff um in the context of these games does this make sense mm -hmm. they're not obviously perfect rep representations but that's like one way of looking at it uh, that at least works pretty well in my opinion maybe someone will disagree there's some kind of i almost want i want someone to correct me if i'm wrong um maybe you can do it anyway so basically through emotions you learn values and learn uh excuse me through sports you learn values and emotional intelligence of sorts over time, which you can't really teach in books and all that. You also get healthy. Um, I, I don't exactly know the relationship to energy, but in games, there's kind of a similar parallel and everyone wants to play them, which is really a key thing because it's much easier to get people to do things when they want to. I imagine you've learned in your business track record. So something uh, at scale, that could be a that people could easily benefit from on a massive scale probably has something to do with gaming and gaming is really huge these days. So just a thought for you and for the audience, 
Um, maybe even to be a little bit aware of what they learn in games and to think of how it applies to life in a beneficial way and taking away the bad stuff, which uh, hopefully people learn in the in an easy way. Do you have any thoughts on what I'm saying? I think it's actually pretty pretty interesting. I uh, gaming was actually one of the first things, like games in in terms of playing something, was definitely one of the first things that came to my mind. So maybe there's a connect there. Yeah, I think there is something for multiple reasons. Um, but that's to well that that I'll, I'll we'll have to see if something happens with that. I'm personally interested in figuring out what can work on a mass scale in this area. Um, and thinking about how to like make mass impact. Um, what, uh, yeah, is there anything you would like to talk about more with your businesses or involvement in nonprofits or any passions you have or anything you'd like to promote? No, I think, I think I'm good. Okay. Well, guys, it's been, uh, Fedor Holtz and, uh, with, Great gems of business and poker wisdom for us all. I, I think so, really. I do. I've been uh, I've been pretty impressed. I didn't expect that. I'm like, wow, this guy's got is is a legit businessman. Um, I didn't know like to what extent you were involved in business, but yeah, great job uh, carrying over your su success in poker and business. And thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. And uh, yeah, it was a fun conversation. All right. See you all later. Thank you for listening to this episode of Winning the Game of Life. Tune in next week for another great episode. Of course, hit subscribe and follow Dan on Instagram at the Dan Cates.